Welcome to Living Southern Oregon, a podcast dedicated to discovering and exploring all Southern Oregon has to offer. I'm your host, Simona Fino, and I will be introducing you to the people who live here, the things they love, and what makes Southern Oregon a magical place to call home. Welcome everyone to another episode of Living Southern Oregon. Today I am with Blaine Alexander Lindsay, a queer artist and spoken word poet with a stutter. Blaine moved to Ashland from the Bay Area in 2013 and in the years since has become deeply involved in the local art and food scenes, hosting a speakeasy unplugged mic and organizing community arts events. Blaine has also worked in the mom-and-pop food industry as a home care provider, farmer, event organizer, and host, as well as nonprofit development. He is passionate about local art, food, and community building in the service of a healthier planet and society. Welcome, Blaine. Thank you so much. Wow, that is um, a wonderful introduction. <laughs> it's all you. It's nice to hear things reflected back at you, right? Yeah, yeah. it sure is. It's um, I'm a lot better than my own self-talk. Uh, I think that is something that probably most of us, most of us are. I remember uh, somebody doing an exercise in a work setting where they had you give a compliment to the person, either to the right or left of you, mm. and the person could say nothing except thank you. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So, <laughs> not easy. <laughs> Just to say thank you. Just say thank you. So you came well, thank from. You. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so you came up from the Bay Area um, in 2013. What drew you to Southern Oregon? Well, it's a very strange story how I got to Ashland. <laughs> Let me see how deep to go. Well, I had never heard of Ashland before. I was told all my life that I belong in Oregon or Berkeley. I was close enough to Berkeley, but didn't quite fit. I was really close friends with this boy from high school who me and him had all these dreams about saving the world in different ways. And um, one day he knocks on my door and I was kind of done in my social circles and all, you know, that time in your life where you're in your hometown and things aren't really going anywhere. And I still had my name tag on from like, I'm a grocery store I just got off work at and was living in sort of like a rainbow house. And my friend knocks on the door one day and says, well, I was just in this town called Ashland uh, at the dog park. And I met the mother of a movie star. I'm not sure I should disclose which <laughs> person, but uh, let's just say uh, the mother of a Marvel hero. Mm -hmm. And she invited me to live at her house for free as long as I walk her dogs for two hours a day. Sounds strange, I know, but I said I'll only do it if I can bring my friend Blaine. <laughs> so he said, he said, drop everything. Um, here's your, um, um, your last month's rent. He happened to have a bunch of plants he wanted to process and harvest, which we would be very well off with, he said. And I we grabbed our dogs and all of our belongings and drove to Ashland and knocked on this kind woman's door one day. Um, my stutter is arriving, excuse me. And she was shocked. I was like, oh, you actually showed up. And so she opened <laughs> her door and, and we came in. And I lived there with her and my good friend for about eight months, exploring the place on foot and, you know, discovering who I am in this new 
awesome town where everyone was so friendly. Folks were waving from their cars. I didn't even know. And <laughs> there was so much in inspiring things and um, community happening that was much more in the direction that I, ha I had wanted to go in the Bay Area. It was an awesome new time in my life where everything was new. And in the Bay Area, I was f always friends with um, the band and friends with the people on stage. And I uh, went to like a few f festivals, but didn't quite find my, you know, spiritual community. And there was, it was always kind of not a hundred percent what I wanted. And in Ashland, I just happened to find uh, these incredible open mic scenes and creative folks of all kinds. I mean, there's just so much art all over the streets, either buskers or events, ecstatic dances. And I mean, it really blossomed and I stayed. Eventually, my friend got in an argument with um, the movie star's mom and he was like, let's go, Blaine, let's, let's leave Ashland. And I was like, actually, I really love it here. I just got a job at a raw food business. I am now like a spoken word dude for the first time. Like, I, this is really great. I'm actually going to stay. And um, he got upset about that and I haven't spoken to him since. But it's kind of how Ashland is. It uh, sort of welcomes you in in a strange little uh, vortex way. And if you're, welcome, <laughs> if you're meant to stay, then you find a pocket uh -huh. and, and root in. Um, and I'm thankful I did. It's so funny how I've heard, obviously not that exact same story, because that is definitely <laughs> unique. <laughs> and I think I know the Marvel person, because I'm pretty sure his house was on the market in Applegate. Uh, so and I remember looking of... at that home and thinking, ooh, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful estate. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, that vortex, somebody draws you in and people or people are driving by or they mm -hmm. came even though thinking, oh, do I really want to live in this small town? Mm -hmm. And then poof, they're here and they love it. And now they can't imagine living anywhere else. So yep, exactly. you're not the first, I think, to be sucked in by the, <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful vortex. And the mountains and uh, mm -hmm. all the underground water and above ground water. Um, well, especially from the Bay Area, where all the hills are golden, mm -hmm. and there's only some oak trees in the very, uh, uh, very tops. So there's not much you know, greenery. Mm -hmm. And in here, right when you drive up, and you pass the mountain uh, sort of line, you're so deep in forests and mountains and nature. Um, and the more you learn about this area, uh, you just fall in love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a very special area. Mm -hmm. So you started off doing spoken word. Was that kind of the first art form and the first kind of foray into that here in Ashland? Yeah. I have a stutter. I've learned a lot about how to mask and control it. And your trial is also um, your blessing in life. And the thing that I was struggling to do and folks thought I was dumb and couldn't talk. But once I could talk, I'm like... Ooh, 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 me, me, me. Like, I always wanted to read out loud. I always wanted to share my speech, something I love. And so I had all these poems memorized, but had never done the next step to share. And about a few months before I, that uh, story of how I arrived to Ashland, I had a friend who hosted an open mic in San Francisco at Cafe International. It was a great place. The host and the owner would like choose when he wanted to come on the stage with you with his saxophone at all times. So it was kind of odd. And you're like, oh, this isn't working with my piece, but okay. But I was there one night. My friend who hosted the open mic invited me over just to watch. He knew I had these poems in my head. 
And I was at the bar. He made sure I had a beer in me or whatever. <laughs> and then when, uh, after a while, he said, okay, next up, folks, is Blaine. And just everyone's <laughs> clapping and the spotlight's on you. And uh, it was kind of like that in the 8 Mile movie where you're in the, um, you're in the bathroom and you're in the mirror like, uh, uh, okay, here we go. And I went out there and I did this one poem, my first ever poem called Mirror, Mirror. And they clapped. And the first applause, you know, I was... Um, Oh, they like me? That worked? Oh, my goodness. And uh, so I was really high on that experience when I first moved to Ashland and was drawn to the bar on the plaza called Oberon's. And it's a, it's a really mm -hmm. great bar. It's been changing ownership in the last five years or so. But it used to be owned, it was created in the festival scene, and Oberon is like a god of sorts in some sort of European mythology. At that time, in 2014, the bar there was kind of run by this band called St. Cinders. That is a street band that formed in Ashland, vastly talented. And they formed a liking to me. I was the only person that came to the open mic on Mondays at nine who did spoken word. And there would be this loud sort of ruckus of bands and amplified sounds. And then when, uh, when I came on, I'm like, tap, tap, tap on the mic, yeah. like trying to get this loud, uh, loud environment's uh, attention, but it's a really intimate, small room. So I learned uh, how to raise your voice and how to use certain tones or certain words or make eye contact with certain people at the right time to catch the audience's attention and mm -hmm. um, sort of quiet down the bar scene because they're like, what is that? What, what do you say? Yeah. Uh, started off there every Monday night at nine o'clock and then one day I found a flyer for the poetry slam under the bridge by Taj mm -hmm. Indian food restaurant there's um, a column there that has like a place you can put flyers on all four sides of the column and I remember seeing that flyer didn't have my I think my van broke down by then and me and and, and the friend I had mentioned walked all the way on foot from that flyer to Northwest Pizza where the slam used to be held over by sauce mm -hmm. <clears throat> on Siskiyou. And I arrived, and that was my first ever slam. And I remember I got fourth place, and the person who got first place was inc this incredible uh, woman named Claudia Alick. Claudia Alick. She used to run the Shakespeare Green Show, a black woman incredibly talented, blow you away. Every time she came to the slam, it was hopeless. She's going to win. <laughs> and I remember she walked up to me after the slam and she gave me a, a half of her winnings, which was a coupon for like a medium pizza at the pizza place. And she gave it to me and said I deserved it and sort of gave me this sort of like, you know, compliment, like, well, I beat you, but you did really good. <laughs> and that really s stuck with me. Um, it was very nice and um, supportive of her. And I really kept that um, cultural ethic mm -hmm. of uplift and support all the mm -hmm. artists around you. It's not about the points. It's about the poetry. That's what yeah. we always say at the slams. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, well, and that thing of lifting up those around you, right? You can help others around you rise by sharing, essentially, mm. and, and so many things. So that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the speakeasy. Where is that held? So this is your project. Well, yeah. So the open, Am I right in that? It sure you know, is. Your, your brainchild and your... <laughs> yeah. And I, it's often 
confused. I took the name from the olden speakeasies, but it's really speak space easy. Ah. It's a pause there, wanting us to speak easily. Because of the open mic scene and the poetry slam scene, they're incredible. They help you grow. Um, competition in the poetry slam is really important because there's so many ways you learn and grow once you lose and you want to get better. And you're like, well, how did I, how did they win? And I lost. Okay, I'm going to change and grow. But both those environments didn't feel 100% safe and soft and it's hard to be an artist that doesn't quite have an instrument or something to amplify you when you go to the average open mic you can kind of get ignored like i've expressed mm -hmm. and so me and a few of my friends used to run a warehouse on uh, benson way and we called it the ark and it was a collective of artists we were, uh, we were trying to make it all happen by our bootstraps and without the proper uh, uh zoning and etc but one month there in about 2016, I decided to create my own open mic experience called The Speakeasy and tried it out. And it's been going, you know, monthly ever since then. There's been a few times where it stopped, like um, during the pandemic and other times where I just get exhausted and can't do it anymore. But it's been happening pretty consistently for the past six to seven years. And it's unique. I've added different aspects into into the culture that folks have called a social technology of its own that in that same way in that vein the goal of the event is to create a safe place and a platform for people to see themselves as an artist and to receive applause and be supported on their path however they are if they just started or if they're halfway through or if they feel like they you know don't have anything else left to do. I can explain a little bit about the infrastructure of the event if you like. It's a it's really cool to learn about and then come experience. So it, this is in Ashland. Yes, it used to happen at Tauntauns in um, Talent before that burned down. Mm. Uh, bless mm. it in the fire, and it used to be at the at the Bellevue Grange and. A current home for the past year plus has been at the Elder Apothecary that's on the plaza across the street from the front lawn mm -hmm. next to a real estate yep. business. I'm yep. not sure. Yeah, it's right there. It's almost right on the corner. Exactly. Yeah, it's right in the plaza. It's a beautiful it building. It is a beautiful oh. building, and it's beautiful inside, too. It has a very warm, it's got dark wood. Just, almost feels like a library. Yes, yeah, so there's all the herbs in that ladder yeah. that goes to <laughs> the ceiling. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It's owned by um, an amazing woman, a a woman of color, and her mother. A great place to, um, to get um, a latte and hang out. Mm -hmm. But yes, the speakeasy happens every fourth Friday there at 6 o'clock, 5.30 if you want to sign up. <laughs> and what makes it special is that there's these ways for the audience to engage and give indirect feedback to the artist so that it ends up being that the audience is just as important as as the as what's happening on stage which it is you know it it's a conversation well there's three ways for the audience to get involved this is what i say every month uh, to instruct the, the, the folks first one is when you hear something you like non-interruptive support like mm, yeah or tap your foot or mm, or um, um, go poet you know any way that you can do something or say something to make the person know that 
it's working and you were reached without interrupting them always adds to the enthusiasm. The second way is called the mirrors. At a slam, there's three whiteboards in the audience and they choose five random drunk people from the audience <laughs> to uh, be the judges and they'll rate what you just did from one to ten. The lowest score and the highest score gets dropped and they add the three and that's your score. Well, the poetry, I mean, at the speakeasy, I wanted to keep the, uh, the whiteboards, but instead of judgments, give kind reflections. And so, and so the three mirror, the three whiteboards, I named them uh, mirrors instead. And we choose three people in the audience who want to hold one of the three for just the first, uh, um, the first round. And there's um, the color mirror, the simile mirror, and the sketch mirror. And they end up being a very, very rich aspect of the night. Because after each person's performance, I ask them to stay on stage, not run, mm -hmm. uh, so you can absorb all this love. And I, I'll join you on stage. And then I go to each of the mirrors. And me and the artist and the audience will examine. Um, so I'll be like, sketch mirror, what you got for us? And the sketch mirror... Uh, their job is to listen deeply and sketch what they heard or saw. Either something they heard in the piece or, you know, expressly. Mm -hmm. The simile mirror's job is to listen deeply and write a simile about what they experienced. That was like uh, water from the top of a mountain falling into a small jug. The color mirror's job is to listen deeply and describe what they experienced in the color. And that was neon red with like specks of gold and green all around it. And folks get really creative and imaginative and the sketch mirror is always incredible. Like, I always have to go and actually show it to each person in the audience because it ends up being so deep mm -hmm. and really good. So that's the mirrors. That's a really fun way of getting people engaged. Uh -huh. And there's yeah. one more. There's one more. The love notes. Each person that signs up gets their name written on an envelope that says... Uh, Blaine is loved, and there's 15 or less if that's um, whoever signs up. And everyone in the audience gets little scraps of paper and a pencil, and they are told the person's name at the beginning and end of their piece, and invited to write a love note that eventually gets stuffed into each person's envelope. And it's the golden rule. I make sure I express that. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't please don't say it at all. Mm -hmm. But um. What happens is each person who shares leaves with an, an envelope stuffed with um, anonymous support and compliments. Me as the host, I always get one. So I have like umpteen, I have a stack of these envelopes and they each say Blaine is loved and they're each filled with like 30 anonymous compliments and you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe how when you're depressed or don't feel like an artist or that you even want to be alive. I crawl and I find that drawer with the envelopes and then I just read them out loud and I weep and I smile and I laugh. Um, so. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is really brilliant. I think we should do more of that with performance and especially because it is a vulnerable place, right? To put yourself on stage, to put yourself in front of other people, to be doing something that... What if they don't like it? What if I mess it up? What if it's not <laughs> received? Mm -hmm. You know, all those things. It is such a vulnerable place. And yeah. yeah. And then even from the audience perspective, I mean, how many times do you hear something that you, that you are moved by, but you don't necessarily get a chance to share that with, 
with that person. They, they're, off, they're off the stage and maybe you're too shy to go up and talk to them. Yeah, they're so famous up there on the stage, <laughs> yeah. you know? Or they just seem, there's, it can be a removal, I guess is what so it true. is. You bring that space together yes. so that there is that room for that, for those compliments and that connection to happen. If I can just give you some testimonials. I, um, a few months ago, I was explaining what happens with the love notes, trying to get the audience to um, really do it. And someone f from the audience said, yeah, folks, please do it, because um, whoever wrote the love notes for me the last two months, I'll tell you, it saved my life three times. Wow. She was saying like she was suicidal in, the, in this past two months, and your love notes helped her to stay here. And, wow. It really reaches me. And I have another friend who has expressed a few times on stage that this environment and the speakeasy not only helped her see herself as an, as an artist, but stay in town and find community mm. and, and stick with her guitar, you know? So I've been really honored to get these express admissions from people that, you know, the vulnerability and the authenticity there has helped people. It sure has helped me more than I could even, even say. Well, I also want to talk to you about some of the other stuff that you've got going on too, because um, you're doing you're doing a lot of art, and you also had mentioned you enjoy writing, and so you write your own poetry. I don't know if you're feeling like you wanted to share. Oh, I would be honored. Some of your poetry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, if you want to read a piece, and before okay. we, yeah, I have a couple other things I want to ask you about too. But before Please, we leave sure. the topic of <clears throat> my throat. poetry, yeah. Yeah, I can express I have some other events I've um, done just prior to a serious injury, and I'm going to bring them back, and I would love to then invite the world to them. But um, I'll share this piece. Thanks for asking. Um, I do have a, a recording of me sharing this poem. I believe it's on YouTube or Facebook. You can type in my name and the phrase um, lean in to find it. But here it is now. Lean in, reach out. Many cages need your skeleton key. Many people need your medicine free, your relevancy. We can free each other from the hell it could be. You help me remember like the smell of the sea. Let the elephant free that part of your soul under spell of a trial you do well to let it be just let it re wild the child's freestyle and the story of a grown-up listen for a while hear the barefoot on earth and the dress shoe on tile see the circle running home to meet itself and smile lean in reach out and if you can be still, because there's a they that shoots to kill, and there's a way that wants its will, and there's entire empires expanding for the thrill. But when yes, sire, expires, and we're standing on the hill, let's climb down from our mountains, looking for common ground. We are bridges to the future, and together we are bound. We are sound. We are speaking, casting spells, or 
saying prayers. We're creating what we're seeking, needing help with all the layers, life's games and all its players, or spaceship Earth and all her crew. I must have read a thousand faces, and yet here I am with you. So if you can, be here. There's a play that needs your skill. There's a day that wants its fill and tired old mires where some souls are falling ill, but it inspires heart fires when you say no to the blue pill. Let's go swallow red sunsets. There's enough to go around. Not even sky's the limit. Crawl inside the sacred mound. We are found. We are meeting every moment, every other. We are blessed by what is fleeting, and I'm thankful for another chance to call you sister, brother, or to walk each other home. I must have picked through all the reasons with a fine-tooth comb, and yet to only find my own, and it's enough, because it's love. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Awesome. <laughs> now everyone has a taste. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, to have beautiful taste. In in my debut book that is for sale at um, the Elder Apothecary, it's the only place to find it in the valley. The book is called How to Weep in Public Places Privately <laughs> by Blaine Lindsay. And you can find that spread. Um, in there, and I have an amazing artist friend, Crystal Visions. You can find her on Instagram at crystal underscore visions. And she drew these incredible, really descriptive and heartwarming illustrations inside of the book that give little, little doses of extra visualization to what you see. Um, and you might really love the book, so I inspire you to maybe go read it while you sit on a couch. And have some tea at the apothecary. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. And we'll put that, I have that in the show notes, the Elder Apothecary, so people can find that. And So kind of shifting, you also are doing development work for a really interesting nonprofit organization here locally. Tell us about Living, Oppor- uh, Living Opportunities, right? Yes. Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah. Well, during the pandemic, I spent some of my stimulus checks to go to University of Washington online, the first time they offered fundraising management off campus. So I spent a year and a half and learned fundraising. I thought my skill of networking and speaking and um, wanting to help the world maybe could go be applied in that direction. So I volunteered for the Pollinator Project for six months to, to a year, doing what I could as a, as a total newbie there in Phoenix. And then I sent my resume out and happened to get a bite and was very, very grateful and thankful that Living Opportunities gave me a chance to try fundraising for the first time. Yeah, they hired me as a donor and business relations officer. <laughs> so... I'm learning a lot about fundraising and how to do it, even for you know a medium to large nonprofit. They aren't a small one. Um, they've been very blessed. They've been around for 50 years here in the Rogue Valley, st- started by mothers who loved their children and who with intellectual or developmental disabilities and wanted to see them thrive and live a normal life. 
So uh, the mission for Living Opportunities is to support adults with IDD, um, intellectual or developmental disabilities, to live in the same neighborhoods, work for the same employers, and share in the same experiences to which we all aspire. Very great mission. We serve at least 100 individuals in the Rogue Valley. Uh, been named top 100 nonprofit to work for in the Rogue Valley for years. So far, it's true. The staff is really, really kind and friendly. And I'm just, I, I always feel humbled and like there's, you know, more to learn when you're representing a marginalized identity, you know, as a white male. It's very humbling. And I've been a home care provider for like a decade, so I have some slight experience. And I have a stutter and I'm queer, so I have some slight experience, but that's nothing. I don't have the hardest life. I don't need someone to represent me much. Mm-hmm. And so to represent others is really, it's a good mission, but also a responsibility. And mm-hmm. I can speak on stages doing my own spoken word and not get nervous. But when I go, you know, to greeters or to the Rotary Club to speak to different businesses and represent, you know, the company I work for, I can just have knots in my stomach. Like, oh my God, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Am I going to sound stupid or wrong or offensive? You know, so I just try my best. That's all I can do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm fundraising, but also job development, which is to say that one half of my job is to build relationships with employers and the goal of finding a job for adults with IDD who are seeking employment because everyone deserves to have a great job they love and having a job creates so many other necessary parts of life like friendships and mm-hmm. schedules and all the side things that come through having a job can really be a crux to someone's social life or so many ways that it helps your mental health and you don't realize that until you know you get a deeper look into the lives of people who really struggle to find employment or to even just have like a normal social life so mm-hmm. I've been there for about six months. My six months anniversary was a few oh, weeks ago. Yay, brand new. If anyone ever wants to talk, I, I'm sort of, you know, desperate for success in this new, <laughs> um, this new role. So if anyone would just love to talk and do what's called an informational interview, I'm always seeking to learn about different industries and job sites. Um, no pressure. And it might even lead to a job. Yeah. But it doesn't always have to. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think it's good just getting that word out there, uh-huh. knowing that this program is available and being able to help. I mean, that's that's a good size caseload, a hundred people. That's True. a fair number of folks. And when you just said that, that importance of having a job, it does. Yeah. It brings so much. It brings structure. It brings routine. It, all these things that we sort of take for granted with our jobs, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so True. easy to complain or be like, oh, yeah, that's what I go to work today. Yeah, I have to go to work. Mm-hmm. It's it, Whereas, no, it actually does all, has all these benefits True. and the connections that you make through your work. And yeah, so it is very important. And, you know, um, adults with IDD have a 94% retention rate and retention can be a big thing with employers because yeah folks with IDD might love and value their job so much and the friends and the and the pattern or even that after work they get to go to that one place to have a soda Mm -hmm. and they even love having the soda more than the job 
this one person that I help, I'm trying to find her a job, but she loves her volunteer work so much that she is like, well, I can't work on Tuesdays or Fridays or, or this day because I volunteer. And yeah. and in her mind, it's more important to do that than to make money. Um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's really hard to talk about these things without accidentally misrepresenting someone you know but i'll just say that most people you meet have neurotypical ways that they express themselves and um that might also imply like having an ego and having stresses and doubts and insecurities and fears which everyone does the people that i've met and been able to serve with idd there's this um transparency and egolessness mm that it is almost very, it's just so refreshing. And I find myself smiling and laughing and uh, de-stressing and sort of being, you know, really welcomed as a friend by people who may not have the, the ego to treat you any other way. People who are that good at being a friend end up being really valuable to a workplace and, and the work um, culture and environment. And everyone has different skills and abilities. I find it really a challenge when I go into a job site and I know that the person I'm seeking a job for could do these specific tasks. And if the employer could open up and we can have this really expansive conversation, we can find a way to carve out a job for this person. But a lot of employers want everyone to be trained in all of the things needed. So um, you can't work here unless you can be trained on the cash register and you can also run the forklift and you can also blah, blah, blah. Um, why can't this person work here who would be really great and help everyone else um, do more of their tasks and not have to do these tasks? If this one person could do what they loved and sit in the back and organize your hangers and make sure that this is always done and this is always done for that three-hour shift it's almost like I'm trying to convince employers to be less capitalistic. I'm like trying to go against the grain of like, maybe it's not always about your bottom dollar, but we can find a role for someone here that actually would increase your bottom dollar and help you economically. But at first it doesn't seem like that. Mm -hmm. um, how can we have a new team member here um, that isn't explicitly here to make you a lot of money, but it adds to your culture and eventually in the long run, you figure out that it does yeah. make you money because you're creating a stronger workforce. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I didn't think, I, I didn't think I'd even say any of this. So actually it's really great. I'm um, really grateful for the practice to talk <laughs> about these things. Yeah. It sounds like such a great organization and something that's so needed. Mm. Cause a lot of times I think otherwise these, a lot of these folks would be left behind or not. Oh, I went through trainings that broke my soul open to hear about just recently, just in the 90s and earlier and still happening. We've really disrespected fellow humans and really disgraced, you know, diversity and inclusion. Folks used to be institutionalized and put into horrible conditions where there's not enough nurses to keep them clean or well cared for or fed it's dark and folks are you know okay. getting disease it's horror stories i won't even go into it and then when it comes to work most folks would have to work in sheltered what was called sheltered work where you you only work in a team of fellow people with idd doing uh, specific tasks and it was all kind of very demeaning um 
treating them as if that's all they can do. Now there's been a movement for um, decades led uh, uh, by Living Ops to treat each individual like an individual individual. that can do anything and have the unlimited potential um, based on how we discover and treat them, you know? Yeah. And if someone didn't, you know, discover and treat me how I felt like I needed to be treated, who knows where I'd be right now. All of us. (laughs) All of us. All of us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think it's, it is really important. So the the organization, I it's a nonprofit. So obviously they accept donations and things oh, like that. Yes. So are there other ways that people can get involved? Are there volunteer opportunities or things like that? If they go onto the website, they'd be able to. Yes, ma'am. Um, livingops.org. There is a place to donate. All um, all all donations go towards this mission. We have uh, twelve houses where folks live either in a group or on their own in apartments or houses in the area. So um, along with the job coaches, the whole infrastructure to support these hundred plus individuals is run by your donations. So every cent does count and keep not only me um, with a job, but also creates jobs Mm -hmm. for those who need them. IDD. So please do donate. Um, you can also, we do a annual art event called Fern Archer. It's actually it's shifting locations all the time, but please go to livingops.org to learn more. It's every October and it's a auction. It's a live art auction. It's always very successful and very heartwarming. It was my first one this past October. Um, and we work well closely with Terra Firma Homes. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called Fern Archer the art inside of furniture because there's a lot of um, furniture pieces for sale that have hand-painted art on it. Ah, okay. (laughs) Excellent. Ah, Wonderful. Thank you for asking. Yeah, well, we'll put that. We've got the link in the show notes so people can go to the website and check that out there and be able to attend the event and also hopefully donate. Thanks. Well, you are now, you live in Applegate now. You were in Ashland. And uh, I'm just curious... You've had a chance to kind of explore both areas. What are some of your favorite spots mm-hmm. in those areas? When, when, when you have an out-of-town guest, uh-huh. what, what are some of the places you're like, oh, we must go? Okay. You haven't been to Southern Oregon until. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's uh, interesting because I'll have so much ideas. And then when my, uh, uh, when my mom's in town, I'm like racing. With like, what was that place I want to show them? Because there's so much good going uh-huh. on. Um well, right off the top of my head, I'll say, let's see. I admittedly am not too learned about the Applegate Rouge area. I want to have um, um, listeners inform me about <laughs> where to go and how to explore that area because I live in Rouge. If you listen to the podcast, the past ah. episodes, you'll hear a lot. Very wise. There's a lot of folks out there that I've interviewed. So. Okay. Uh huh. Um, well, you know, I spent a, a lot of my social life more in Ashland mm-hmm. and um, Phoenix talent. I do, I did actually create a little list here. I'll run through. It's not too long that expresses the things I love doing with two things, ecstatic dances and open mics. Ah, there are things that happen regularly. Um, the schedule of them happen weekly, uh, and monthly. And it's, it's a way to one's free. Ecstatic dances are usually like 15 to 20 bucks. Open mics are free, and they're a great way to 
either have you or a friend um, or a family to go and have a really good time. So mm-hmm. I'll express some. Uh, Ecstatic Dances, there's every Sunday at 9 a.m. Uh, at the Z, uh, Studio Z at the East Hersey Industrial Park. There's um, Tuesdays at the Wellsprings called the Unity Dance. That's at 7 p.m. That's a really big one. They always have DJs from out of state or um, local. There's the Community Dance Journey, March 11th. That's from Rotem, uh, who's an incredible dance um, DJ. Um, and the Oracle Dance Rituals, she's starting on uh, Mondays from 11.30 to 1.30. You can learn more about all these on Facebook. The open mic scene, of course, there's a speakeasy every fourth Friday, but the Elder Apothecary has an incredible open mic every Friday. Okay. At seven. Um, so rich. Oh my gosh. Very rich. Um, the Burger Spot in Medford every Thursday is hosted by Charlie, who's a great artist and friend of mine. Um, at 6 p.m. Tuesdays at the Black Sheep are 7 p.m. Phoenix Clubhouse on Wednesdays is an all ages open mic. Um, very youth-friendly environment every Wednesday around 6. Uh, the Rogue Valley open mic is at, is in Gold Hill, run by Mr. Um, Dwayne. And last that's on last Saturdays of the month at the Gold Hill you know, Lodge at 5.30 p.m. And then Jacksonville also has an open mic uh, at the Boomtown Saloon every Thursday night at 7. So there's always a, there's always a place and a time all week to either, you know, um, dance and really express your feelings through your body or emote out loud at open mic or just listen, you know, in, in the audience. Um, I also had three things I wanted to share for those who might be hungry. Uh-huh. There are uh, also ways to get food for you or your loved ones every week. There's three weekly food markets hosted by Rogue Food Unite. That's Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday, Thursdays in Medford, Phoenix, and Talents. You can find that out online by uh, searching Rogue Food Unites. There's the local nonprofit Ashton Food Angels that I volunteered with for four years. Um, it's an awesome place to please volunteer at if you have time in your schedule. They give a lot of food to so many people in the community. In, in Medford, there's the Hawthorne Park Community Meal. happens almost every day at Hawthorne Park in Medford. And then the um, the community peace meals happen in Ashland at 73 Windburn Way, um, as well as Uncle Foods at the Unitarian Church. So there's so many ways to eat for free uh, if you're hungry and in need. And that's a good thing for a lot of people to know, especially in this particular economic so true. Yeah, era that we're in. A lot of people do need that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and that was kind of like thought out and rewritten stuff, yeah. but um, that's a lot of my social life is those sorts of things or hanging out in someone's house. My favorite thing is to have a jam session with friends in their living room and mm-hmm. just, you know, freestyle poetry. And <laughs> I'm sure there's no shortage of that here. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate everything that you've shared today. My honor. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I look forward to hearing more of 
of the podcast like you uh, recommended so I can tap into the community. Uh-huh, you can. <laughs> I know, I always joke that I started off Applegate heavy because I lived out there for five years. So I already knew a lot of people. And when you're first starting a podcast, that's the big question, like, right, who am I going to get on the show? Mm. Um, so I started with a lot of folks that I already mm. knew, but obviously that's grown since then. But I definitely have a soft spot and my heart is definitely very much in Applegate. So if you listen to those, you'll hear some wonderful folks. Thanks for supporting community. It's so important uh, how the webs weave. Mm -hmm. Exactly. uh, You definitely keep it strong. Um, Yeah, well, that's the way to do it. The the more you connect and build that web, the stronger our community is. So thank you for being part of that. Of course. Anytime. (laughs) Anytime. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening in. And I hope you get out to some open mics, um, whether you are on the audience side or whether you are on the stage side and actually sharing something. And uh, we'll be back again next week. Until then, have a wonderful one. This podcast is produced by Simona Fino and co-produced by James Dedakis and Jaded Media. Original music by Samuel Lawrence.